Welcome to Collective Voices, a place for Adventist young people to come together and talk about things like faith and innovative evangelism. As always, opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Collective Voices leadership team or participants. So this week's topic is When Silence is Golden, talking about, oh, I suppose there's a variety of situations where silence can be golden, where it's better to just leave something unsaid or something like that. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dominique. Sure. All right, so when is silence golden? Um, I took some time and did some research through Spirit of Prophecy to see when she used the word silence and golden in the same paragraph. And um, I found some interesting things. And I thought what I'd do is I'd just run through the list of like bullet points. Um, and I have reference for all of them too. Maybe I'll type those in the chat. Um, and then we can kind of go from there and discuss various ones or even places that you think silence is golden that she may not have even um, mentioned directly. Um, okay, so on the list we have the nature of the Holy Spirit. It's something that's too big for us to wrap our three and a half pound brains around. And so on that topic of the nature of the Holy Spirit, silence is golden. Um, raising kids, uh, if they're having self-control issues, um, silence is golden and you know, not lashing out and that kind of a thing. Um, on earthly and unimportant matters, silence is golden. So if you're, you know, maybe it's, it's kind of that, that phrase that we say, you know, choose the, uh, the hill to die on, you know, don't, um, don't be just blabbing too much about things that don't even really matter that much, right? So earthly and unimportant matters, silence is golden. Um, is a response to insult and mockery. She talked about Jesus in that um, quote, saying that as, as a response, he didn't say anything. Silence was golden in that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A scenario, in that scenario where um, you're being insulted or, or mocked or whatever, um, to just not respond at all, to be like a sheep before your shears is done, that, that kind of an idea. And then, of course, if you don't have anything good to say, um, if there's no, no benefit, no, nothing uplifting, um, better not to say anything at all. Um, and then Ernie thought of a few as well um, that were also from Ellen White, but I guess she didn't use the word golden, maybe, perhaps. And that is um, with new converts, Sometimes silence is better as far as not telling them everything at once. Um, actually, Ernie, if you could type in the chat yeah. what you were thinking about, that was so, Matthew 18. So, yeah, okay. in correction of the brethren, we're supposed to not make a public scene of or a spectacle of that, and we should talk to them in private, you know, so we can hold our tongues for the moment and then reach them on a personal level um, before we, like, make a public display. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, um, what are you, what are your thoughts on on these? Any particular one you feel we should talk about a little more, whatever? 
Um, I'm just going to go ahead and type this in the chat with references so you guys can have that if you want. Well, not everybody at once, um, but maybe we should start with, have you found in your Christian life opportunities or moments where you maybe should have stayed silent or on the opposite end where you wish someone else might have stayed silent on the fact? Maybe can you start there, maybe some personal testimony? I can say I've definitely had experiences where I wished I stayed silent. <laughs> well, I think there's just sometimes there's a simple thing that not everything has to be said just because you have an opinion about something doesn't mean it's going to be beneficial for others or or edifying. Just along these lines, I was just reading. Where was I? I was I was reading a little booklet. I think it had a it was had something taken from the book evangelism and it talked about how there's a wisdom when you're reaching out to other people to know what to say and what to leave unsaid and i think that's really key because sometimes i think we especially when we're doing evangelism and an outreach we think that we need to tell people everything at once because we want to be like transparent with them about what we believe in the Bible, but I think sometimes we can overwhelm people and share too much when they're not ready to receive it. And I think Jesus really understood that because he, I remember he said to the disciples, I have many things I'd like to tell you, but you're not ready to receive them. And that, that's a paraphrase, but I think that's the idea he was conveying. Hmm. Yeah, I've, yeah, there was a point where I thought it was great to share a lot of truth all at once for someone but and there probably is a point at that where you have maybe one opportunity with them or whatever but i've also thinking back now of an instance where i probably shouldn't have said nearly as much as i did mm. but mm -hmm. yeah so i've much had experiences yeah. giving bible studies and people started asking questions about certain doctrinal points in the mm -hmm. Bible, like what happens when you die. And because I was inexperienced, I was just learning how to give Bible studies. Of course, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to share with them the Bible verses and the text. And, and they were not ready to receive it at that time. And it actually ended up closing the door to being able to share more with them. Whereas if they had had time to gain more confidence in the Bible, I think they may have been more willing to receive that truth later on. Of course, we can't underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can work through those mistakes and still bring conviction to someone's heart later on. But you, you wonder, you know, if you hadn't said, or I wonder if I hadn't said that and went down that direction of sharing those things, maybe I would have had more opportunities to share with that person. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of come to conclude that probably one of the best things we can do and is lead them to, to value the Bible and to seek for wisdom in the Bible themselves. And of course, that is the most ideal. And, and that way, the Holy Spirit is able to do the, the working on their heart instead of us trying to come up with something. I think sometimes when we grow up, 
Well, I, I should be careful about saying when we grew up in a bubble, even though it's partially true, but it's it extends beyond that. But it's it, it can be difficult when you know a lot of things to know what's important for someone else. Um, if you notice the, the people who've lived a lot of life experience and are very wise and stable in their life tend to be much more... Um, they give advice much more sparingly, partially because they know that a lot of advice isn't received well, partially because they know a lot of advice isn't all that great, partially because they, um, whatever the reason is. But when they do say something, it means so much more because it's just a little piece that carries so much depth. And so in the same way, like in other kinds of information, you can dump a whole stack of books on somebody's desk but maybe they just needed one thing one small detail that they could make use of yeah i have one older friend who told me when he was younger coming up with advice wasn't hard at all and and then as he gets older he just has less and less advice to give because he watches what people do and he thinks well if I'd given them advice, I would have told them to do such and such. And uh, wow, that wouldn't have turned out with, as I was expecting. So it's like, well, maybe I'll just watch now, <laughs> see what happens. Right. When you realize that your advice may have worked great for your life, but then somebody else lives very well and they wouldn't have, and they didn't take your advice or anything remotely like it. And you're like, well, that's cool. You know, I feel like we can go in many different directions with this conversation, but along the lines of giving advice, I used to feel like whenever someone would come to me and share something that they were going through that I needed to give advice. But over time, I've learned that oftentimes what people need the most is just someone to listen. And in situations like that, the silence really is golden. And I'm, I'm learning that it's, it's good to ask if someone wants your advice because oftentimes they don't, they just want a listening ear, which is good too. Sometimes a person being able to talk something out actually helps them sort it out in their own heads without ever needing advice. They just needed a sounding board. So true, so true. Uh, Andrew Contrico is asking, uh, does not giving advice to those who are close to you sometimes come across is you being indifferent? I, I've never felt that that was indifferent. I, I, I think there's a way to listen called active listening where you're very empathetic and you're, you're showing that you're engaged in the conversation that you're present with the person. And that's definitely not indifferent, but you may not be giving advice. Yeah, I like how you brought out, it's good to ask sometimes maybe if they even want advice because there's times where I've definitely had advice and given it and thought man if they would just listen their life would be so much better and they don't and then I thought well you know then I've really asked for advice <laughs> you know the worst for me is when I'm trying to get something off my chest about I don't know some challenge I'm facing and people give me the kind of oh life is life will work out fine type of advice that's it's it's um the, the postcard advice the cliches <laughs> and i'm like first of all i wasn't needing advice second of all that's not useful thirdly you're addressing an insecurity that doesn't exist i'm just complaining here let me complain <laughs> let me have my moment and then we can move on to something else 
don't, don't try to make me feel good or, or whatever. And I think the other way that silence is good in, is good in that situation is also not feeling the need to try to share your own experience right away. When someone else is telling you something that they're going through, it's not always the best to then jump in and start telling your own story. Even if you're trying to be understanding and relate to them, that's not necessarily what a person is in need of. Right, like somebody's all, my grandmother just died. And you're like, oh, that's terrible. I had a, I had a pet a dog die. He was like my closest <laughs> friend. <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. You know, I think um, about all these these things, whether they need advice or not, or they need, you know, whatever. I think a lot of it does come down to just being open to the Holy Spirit to um, say whatever he's impressing you to say and not say anything he's not impressing you to say. <laughs> like, you know, just really um, listening, both to the person you're talking to and the holy spirit so that you say the right thing and if silence is the best then that's what happens too the best people that i've found as far as advisors go are the ones that the best advice that they can offer me is to say well something you might want to look into or or better yet so when you think through it in that way did you consider that there's this other possibility or whatever you know and it's like, oh, you know what? I didn't. Yeah, I think uh, the other Andrew brought that out in the chat too about asking questions. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to get the person thinking without them feeling like you're you're telling them what to do. And even better, if you if they're not leading questions, it's even more um, valuable. Like. Mm -hmm here's a question and you would know the answer better than me, but I have a question to ask um, because, you know, I'm just thinking, here's a way to think through it. Yeah. People can tell when you're asking questions with an agenda. Yeah. I've definitely had people where I'm like, I have this issue. I have this problem I'm trying to work through. And they're like, well, yeah, but the problem is your premises are all wrong. And I'm like, how do you know? Do you have an established trust? I don't, believe you but if they'd said well you know consider these things and i'm like well yeah those points are irrelevant and these ones are possibly relevant and this one's relevant you know it gives me the opportunity to, to filter through it and decide that's useful that's not useful and then come back later and be all you know what i think everything they said was useful i just wasn't ready to accept at that time but then their pride then my pride isn't involved you know nobody i don't have to be like oh shoot now i have to say you're right i was wrong because there's never any conflict so i think that's a big part is if you if you make for sure that there's not any way that they can reject your idea because you're not trying to force it on them or whatever then it makes it easier for them to accept that if there's some a hostile person like myself. So that's all about the world of advice. Um, I've definitely had to learn about the value of being silent in the face of not feeling like I'm being treated well when you're young and naive or whatnot and with and have an ax to grind. Um, it can be, you, you feel like every battle needs to be fought. Every, every hill needs to be died on and every injustice should be righted and then you realize that that's the best way to create more problems and the world is messy and you're just not going to fix it and you have to learn to prioritize 
a lot better. How, how, do, how would you guys say that we do that? How do we know what battles we should fight and which ones we should be silent on? Well, I was actually just pulling up one of the quotes um, about the earthly and unimportant matters. Um, maybe I'll read that one, then I'll, I might have a little to look up too, but let me read this one first. It says, when we can associate together to help one another heavenward, when the conversation is upon divine and heavenly things, then it amounts to something to talk. But when the conversation centers upon self and upon earthly and unimportant matters, silence is golden. The obedient ear will receive reproof with humility, patience, and teachableness. Then only do our communications with each other prove beneficial and fulfill all that God would have them. When both signs of the divine instruction are fulfilled, the wise reprover does his duty and the obedient ear hears to a purpose and is benefited. I don't think that's a full answer to your question, but I think it is a part of it. An example of a challenge that you could face would be, suppose you meet somebody who has a poor diet. Um, they smoke, they are surrounded by friends that encourage dysfunctional behavior and they're going through a major cause of grief or trauma, how many of those things are worth addressing at once? They're all things that ideally you should help a person work through maybe. A lot of them, it's better to guide them in a direction that they can work it through themselves. But there's something is more important to that person at that time. Um, and if you try to focus on the wrong things, it'll make that issue worse because it needs the attention. So for example, in this hypothetical, the, per, the, the thing that's causing the most immediate pain, um, the thing that has the greatest ability to relieve the most, to create the most good the soonest um, is probably more nearly the thing to focus on. And you would know what those things are because you're listening, you're not talking, you're, you're being silent, you know what I mean? people unexpectedly reveal things about themselves when they're talking. And I mean, it doesn't take a genius to notice what things hurt, are hurting the most at the moment. But that's a super good point. And sometimes if you just listen to somebody, they'll solve their own problems without any input from you at all. <laughs> just keep listening, keep listening. They'll figure it, they'll figure out what's important. Or you can just ask them, you know, in this situation, and we're back in the world of advice, in this situation, like, what do you think? What do you think you need to do? What do you think the issue is here? So on a, on a practical level, so I'm just trying to think about this, like still this question of how to know what battles to fight. And Dominique brought out a good quote, but here's an example. So at work, I deal with some stressful situations and we've been understaffed. And sometimes it's easy for me to just look at what's going on in the work environment and feel like we're just doing everything wrong. And it's easy for me to wanna to go in there and say, okay, we need to correct this and this and this, but that's not necessarily beneficial for me to go in and say that 
it would be better perhaps for me to pick one thing and share my thoughts on it in a constructive way. But like, how do you, how would you know what's a priority to address when you're going to address something? I think kind of understanding what you actually can control in your position, focusing on the things that surround you and your like immediate sphere of influence or authority depending on the position, I think would be a good place to start. Um, as a postcard kind of advice thing, you should definitely, if you focus on things closest to you and you lead by example in those things or you're trying new things and then kind of showing, hey, I did this differently and it seems to be working, giving someone a visual representation helps more than words kind of thing. So you can actually, actions speak louder than words. I mean, that's kind of like staying silent, right? I don't know, just yeah. something to think about, I would say. Yeah, it makes me also think of the, the serenity prayer. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It reminds me of a common challenge that comes from people who develop businesses and stuff, because they're, they're so driven to perfection and whatever, that they get to a point where... A, the person who runs the company finds themselves designing the advertisements and the posters because they know they can do better than anyone else at it. Well, maybe they can. Let's just assume that they can do better than anyone else because nobody else has the right attention to detail. Is it really a good use of their time to do it though? Because maybe they can bring in a big pile of money by using that energy on something else. Hire somebody to do, you know, 90% good enough work and that 10% difference, you know, it's not going to destroy their bottom line but if they can't if they run themselves ragged trying to fix every last detail then the company's not going anywhere so in a practical example it, suppose you're an employee and you're not you're not even directly responsible for the out the, the way the company works if your neighborhood of the company the organization the ministry the church whatever um, works very smoothly because you pay attention to the details that matter, then people will recognize that and they'll want to give you as much responsibility as you can possibly handle because they like a person that handles it well. It makes it easier for everyone else. But on the other hand, oftentimes it's easy to see so many ways that everyone else can fix what they're doing in a way that costs us nothing. And it it doesn't come with the credential of, you know, I could make that happen. It's just like, you know, it would be better if you did that. But if you were in that situation, maybe you would realize that that detail is the executive making posters for their company. Maybe for that person's job, that detail isn't the essential detail. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not your, um, in economics, they call it a comparative advantage. Maybe your advantage isn't actually solving that problem. Right. And sometimes we got to get out of our own heads. Like I feel like we think big picture all the time and we don't think actual tangible steps to get there. Like we're just always focused on big picture. And that is, that's kind of like, it's a little deflating. It's like working uphill, you know, it's like quite literally working uphill and you're not taking steps on a ladder. It's just, it's never ending. Like you'll never reach the top of the hill. You know what I mean? So focusing on those things that are very tangible and that are right in front of us, I think is the best place to start. And, and through those actions and through examples of that, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Isn't that sort of what we do with our lives? I mean, the reasons 
why we we dress the way we dress, the, the word choices that we use in our conversations loosely, aren't those all a testament, silent testaments of to whom we serve? You know, we serve God and we choose to do these things, you know, and it's not something we verbally need to tell people, but they recognize it when they see it or hear it, you know? Um, I was going to just say, Sabrina, I, I assume you probably have some kind of specific thing in, in mind. Um, and I won't ask what that is, but um, I think for me, there's probably, you know, different tiers. We're, we're talking about, you know, when is silence golden and when is it a hill to die on? So um, there's different levels of hills to die on. You have a level of the hill to die on, which is what God has specifically asked you to do. Right. And there is no, you know, no moving that. And then you can have the tier of, um, um there's the the level of like like you know family um protection that kind of a thing including you know yourself in that as well so you know if you're in an environment that's not healthy for you um you need to do something to change that that's a hill to die on um we could probably continue going with that analogy but um at definitely at some point it becomes no longer important enough to depending on what this whole situation is that now it's no longer a hill to die and now it's earthly unimportant matters and that is when silence is golden one thing it was just i was skimming through um eg white's writings and i, I might have passed something or said something about when when satan or lucifer was kind of accusing God of this big government idea and blah, 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 trying to get to the other angels that, that Jesus stayed silent and God stayed silent. And I'm thinking the reason why he chose to do that is so Satan can show his true colors, right? He can get it out there in the open. And by God not intervening in that moment, we get to really see who this person is, this, you know, this angel is. So I think sometimes in that, in that scenario, as you were just saying, heels to die on, at some point, we just have to let consequences exist and just happen. You know, it's not, we can't just keep beating them with advice if they just are not willing to accept it or your invitation to this or whatever has, whatever the, the context is. But sometimes you have to let things run run their course and, and that and when they can get back up, be there to be their friend kind of thing, you know, and then work through it. Sometimes that's just, that's how it is. People have to learn the hard way, I guess. And it's not even necessarily a matter of hard-headedness. Um, well, I suppose a person could argue yeah. that. I, I went through a situation at one point where um, I suppose everybody kind of felt like it was an off-balance thing I was going through. But, you know, those who were around to see it. But someone close to me, they, you know, they, they thought that I was a little bit out of, not out of place, but in a less than ideal situation, but they felt like it was going to sort itself out in time. And they said nothing to me about it, which I appreciated because I did work through it and I got what I needed to out of it and I moved on. And then we could talk about it later about, yeah, you know, that's what went wrong there. And that's what, that's why I was in that situation in the first place. Um, but sometimes a person really just needs their own, they need to learn what it means to walk into something on their own so they know what 
you know, if you try to live your life completely by other people's experiences, you'll find that other people's experiences are very conflicting, confusing, and don't give you good, <laughs> good direction for the challenges right in front of you. I think you could also turn that around and look at, look at that in another way. And, and that is sometimes when we wanna speak up and give our opinions or criticize when we haven't really taken the time to walk in someone's shoes and understand where they're coming from. And if we had been able to see how things would be down the road, we probably wouldn't have said those things that we did say to them. I know I've had that experience where I've misjudged a situation or, or maybe even just in my mind thought something about someone and then down the road I realized, wow, this is the reason why they acted this way and I should have had a little more compassion and grace for them. I totally get that. Sometimes we, we put our foot in our mouth kind of idea or we just jump in, you know, and it's like we know nothing about anything or we don't have the full picture. So sometimes being very cautious with our actions and our words and um, would be really good just for just not only for our protection, but for also our thoughts. I mean, it's not it's not good for us to judge the brethren on false information. You know, that just leads to more confusion, more uh, contention. So yeah, I, I totally get that. So then what can we safely say that we have learned, I mean, thus far about when to be silent? I mean, I think for sure, when we're at conflict with the brethren or with somebody else or something happens, we should at least hold our peace until we can talk to them personally. Like I got that that much, but in any other times you think you guys think this is a perfect opportunity to wait and be silent? Yeah. I think it's when when we want to correct someone or criticize them because of something that that really is the reason being is because we're, it offends us or because it somehow hurts our pride or something instead of motives that are a lot better, a lot more to the effect of trying to be a blessing to them. Yeah, that kind of goes along. Actually, <laughs> I could read another quote. Um, this is the one about the insult and mockery part. Here. Okay. It says there are too many among those who profess to be followers of Christ who seek to exercise, sorry, seek to excuse their own defects by magnifying the errors of others. The highest evidence of nobility in a Christian is self-control. We should copy the example of Jesus, for when he was reviled, he reviled not again, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Our Redeemer met insult and mockery with uncomplaining silence. All the cruel taunts of the mur murderous throng who exulted in his humiliation and trial in the judgment hall could not bring from him one look or word of resentment or impatience. He was the majesty of heaven and in his pure breast there dwelt no room for the spirit of retaliation but only for pity and love. There is a time when silence is golden. We should always copy the life of Jesus, for we are to be like him. He loves us notwithstanding our defects and shortcomings. Let us not think that one of the graces of Christ is portrayed with no lesson to us in its portrayal. Pure love thinketh no evil. When we constantly 
imagine that we are not appreciated and watch for slights. We do ourselves and others great harm. We must forget self in loving service for others. That's a good quote. Yeah, Jesus never like defended, he didn't defend himself. As it says in Isaiah 53, he was as a lamb led to the slaughter. And at the same time though, he spoke up when others were being mistreated or or there was injustice toward others. So he was never defending himself, but he spoke up when others needed to be defended. Right, Sabrina, yeah. And like you said, it was, it was in defense of others, not a result of, he did criticize, but it wasn't a result of wounded pride or you know someone had, a, had insulted him. And so he was trying to get back at them. It was, when he stood up for others or even for the cause of God in the temple, when he cast out all the money changers. Right, for him, that was a hill to die on. Yeah, yeah in, that, in that situation, I think he was really zealous for his father's honor. It wasn't about himself. Right, as in contrast to when the disciples were giving Jesus some advice, you know, why don't you just call down fire on these people that didn't accept you to stay at, stay in the village for the night? I just, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the Chosen series on the life of Jesus, but I just watched the latest episode. They just premiered their second season. And that scene was on there where James and John wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. And I just love how they, they portray Jesus because he's he he explains to James and John that you know that's that goes completely against what I'm trying to do here I'm trying to reach these people you don't know what opportunities we have to plant seeds here and you want to bring fire you want to use God's power to wipe these people out it's a, it's a big scene I really like it and I like how he points out are they any less worthy than you like we are all the same kind of thing, you know, like, and this is the moment you're saying, this is what you want to do. And this is not even the way we should be doing these things. I mean, like you said, like you just said, we're trying to reach these people and you want to destroy them. That makes no sense. There was also another good point that was made there. Um, they, James and John were very passionate about it. And he talked about how passion is a good thing when it's, directed in ways of righteousness and I think that's key you know we can be passionate about something and feel like we need to speak up on something that really isn't a an essential topic that we should be addressing and we need to redirect our passion toward things that are valuable and eternal and important it's got we got to know when to speak to I mean there's a time and place for everything there's a a way to say something, you know, tack. I think that happens a lot in a lot of contention between whatever, um, as, pe as people, as in the brethren, like the way we say things is a huge, is a huge thing too. Um, yeah, I agree. So the silence thing is very, it's very interesting because it's so deep. It can, it can be so deep and it can be so simple as not only being silent because you don't want to lash out, 
and giving opportunity for people to say what they need to say and you be a listener to get the full picture. Um, silence comes in many forms. I'm trying to think of a time when we can see that God's God is gone and allowed silence to kind of fester. And then, you know, what, you know, like, have do we have any examples of God being silent in the Bible or even in our lives? Maybe we can learn something from that. I can't, I can't think of anything right now, but maybe you guys do. I think maybe a more general thing, he was, he is often silent when he's trying to teach us something and we're not learning it. <laughs> like, you know, he's, it's like, you know, he's already spoken and you're not getting it. And so he's just going to leave it there. And <laughs> until you get it, <laughs> I've already said it, it's there for you. <laughs> he'll he'll and, come uh, back around to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, God, I'm listening now. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this. We'll go from here. <laughs> Are you thinking of examples of like God in the Old Testament, Ernie, or examples of Jesus? I would say kind of both, because like the only example I can think is when he's in the garden, he's asking for Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve are silenced, and they're silent because they're, they're afraid. So in that context, we know that's a bad thing. But I'm trying to think, is there any ways when God is being silent for our benefit, you know, giving us that room to, just like as Dominique just said, just let it happen and then come back to him. Oh, I can think of a time when God was silent. Remember when, um, when Saul had rebelled against God, King Saul had rebelled against God and, and he was desperate. And that's why he ended up going to the witch of Endor because God was silent. God wasn't going to speak to him through the prophets anymore because he had rebelled against God and turned against God's direction. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Not only that, I think, uh, what was that there in the prophets and Kings, it talks about he was unwilling even if he did speak through the prophets to take the advice, like he was just so unwilling. So there's no way for God to reach him anymore. So could we say that God, God is silent sometimes when we are unwilling or rebellious? I think we can say that, you know, I think we can say that he's quiet when we are, we're doing wrong. I mean, he's not, he's not parading over us. He's not hovering over us at every moment when we make a bad decision and trying to point it out to us and trying to correct us. Like Dominique just said, he's written his law. He's given us what we need as a guide for our lives. And when we willingly go against that, then that's on us. That's not on mm -hmm. him. You know, it's our rebellion, not his rebellion. That doesn't make any sense. You know, I think too, I mean, this is not, this is not silence, but this is, Kind of what came to my head, you know, that um, the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, He wasn't in the fire, He wasn't, you know, He wasn't in all that. He was the still small voice, um, and that that kind of tells you something about Him, even though He's this absolute grandiose of a being. Um, he's He is listening. He does speak to you quietly it's not always on occasion it was it's not always you know something super loud and booming um 
Um, and yeah, the fact that he is that, that still small voice, um, it allows the space for us to communicate to him. So it's not just one-sided that there's mm -hmm. this, you know, open communication. He's a good listener, right? That, that kind of a thing, it's um, pretty cool. Andrew H had a good point here that God isn't imposing. He speaks when we listen and is silent when silent when we tell him we don't want to listen to him. This was reminding yeah, me sure. of a quote I just heard this morning from the book Faith and Works. It's it's kind of a scary quote. It says when God lets man have his own way, it is the darkest hour of his life. That's really good. And yeah, that's definitely scary. That's really good though. I like that. You should write that down. I want to want to keep that one. Yeah, it's I think it's God is such a gentleman that he's not going to push his way into our lives. If we don't want to listen, he's not going to speak. But at the same time, we don't realize the disservice we're doing to ourselves when we don't want to listen. We've kind of tackled everything that we had in our opening like statements and whatnot. So it's pretty interesting. We've gone full circle. Um, I, don't know, I just like that thought that God will, God respects our decisions when we refuse to listen to him. Like he, he is so not going to impose on us. He just, he will leave us to our own devices if that's what we choose. You know, he's just, but when we come to him, isn't that, isn't that incredible? Like when we come to him, he's like arms wide open, prodigal son, kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's incredible that even through the midst of our aggression, rebellion, whatever you want to call it, our callousness, our carnalness, he wants to invite us in with that gentle, quiet spirit, you know, that, that, that um, still small voice. Um, even in the midst of all of our fiery rage and aggression, um, it's incredible. I don't, I don't even know. It's just, it's overwhelming. I feel like there's a lot more that we could explore on this idea of God being silent. I'm just thinking of times in the Bible where various individuals cried out to God and said, God, why are you silent? Like times when they saw their enemies gaining the victory or they saw injustices taking place. And I think sometimes God is silent because he, we're in a controversy between good and evil and God has to allow the evil to play out in order for us to be able to see God's true character and also to see Satan's true character in this controversy. But the good news is, is that God will bring justice at the end. It reminds me, even Jesus himself went through that experience. Um, God, why have you forsaken me? Um, but I think, I think that makes a good point about you know, when for us dealing with others, if we realize that even God himself holds back at times, because even the infinite all-knowing creator of all things knows sometimes there's value in not sharing advice. Like what kind of patronizing advice could Jesus have been given in that moment? <laughs> but would it have helped anyone? Um, I think if we realize that God himself sometimes turns his face away or steps back or whatever um, can help us understand that there's a place for us to, to not imagine that we have all the answers either or anyway the 
something worth saying. I think this also circles back to the idea of not defending ourselves because God didn't defend himself through words when his character was attacked by Satan. He allowed time to show who he really was. And in the end, he will be vindicated completely. And I think the same can go for us when we feel that we have been mistreated or slandered. Usually the best thing is not to try to speak up and defend yourself but to allow your character and your life to vindicate itself. Very true. This is making me think too about um, how as we get closer to the end of time, um, the Holy Spirit is being withdrawn. Mm. That in a way is like God becoming silent. Like he's no longer working with, he's no longer talking to um, the people who have rejected him right and um we're gonna we're gonna see a lot less of <laughs> a lot less of um him uh, you know talking to people about their consciences that that kind of a thing just dissipating um a lot of silence on that end well maybe we should have um a few final thoughts and then pray and close this i think we've mostly come to the end of our discussion <laughs> anyone have any final thoughts they want to share just just along the lines of choosing not to speak up when you are wronged i think something that has stuck with me and i've seen to be true more and more as i've gotten older is that the truth will always come out in the end you know someone someone may say something that's not true about you but in the end the truth will be seen. And I think we can, we, we see the same thing is going to happen in the great controversy, but it also help, happens on a small scale. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, Johan, do you want to close out with prayer for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings available to socialize with our friends and to discuss these topics. And I pray that your spirit will continue to guide us and give us your direction to know when to speak, when not to speak, and how to be the influence for you as Jesus, our Father, and who tried to defend ourselves, but to live for him. I pray that thy grace would be with each one of us through the coming weeks. Amen. And just like that, we've reached the end of another episode. Thank you so much for your support. We would like to encourage you to join us and be an active voice on our next meeting. You can find us on the Collective Voices Facebook group.